stakes and that is that um, I've placed the deposit and uh, I know that I have a reasonably worried car salesman searching the country to source the car model in the colour we want. <laughs> now, now wh- why is he nervous? Well, in that, uh, it's like, uh, it's nearly two weeks ago that we said, yeah, okay, let's make a deal. Yep. Um, and it's now what the well we're talking on the twenty first of July. He said, "Yeah, we should have something in two weeks by the end of the month at the latest." Oh, um, right. I had a phone conversation with the dealer principal last <laughs> night, who said, "Yeah, you know, look, we we there's none in Queensland. We found some in New South Wales and Victoria, but we have to make sure that they're not already assigned to customers. Um, but don't worry." If we have to ship it up, it won't. We won't charge you anything. And I'm thinking you're damn right. You're not charging me anything. <laughs> um, and I, I'm sure that the reason that uh, uh, sales guy is concerned is commissions, right? He just oh, needs yeah. to make sure that if the car don't get delivered in July, he don't get no monies. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Hey, so uh, uh, did they give you a trade in on the uh, on the Captiva, or or is that had to find its own way into the world? <laughs> Look, and this is where I have to express that I think, in part, I'm just a, a pushover, um, <laughs> and in part... I can see where this is going. <laughs> and in part, that I'm the kind of person who is not into confrontation, um, which is not great in a negotiation where you're trying to save yourself thousands of dollars, or get thousands of dollars more for the trade that you want. Um Bloody cars, mate. I tell you what. <laughs> They're a money pit. Oh, well, we, we had uh, an issue. We have an issue with the Captiva where I noticed that the two front tyres, um, the, the the steering alignment, not the steering alignment, but the wheel balancing. No? The wheel balance? <laughs> what's the other thing? <laughs> Welcome to Dave and Mock <laughs> Cars, your technical podcast for 2017. <laughs> yeah, well, uh... Not the wheel balance alignment front tyre thing. Wheel alignment. That's what I'm trying to get out. There we go. Because I know what the things are. Anyway, the wheel alignment was so screwed that uh, tyres that I'm going to say, I I profess we brought less than three years ago, had worn so badly that the inside was at the the steel belt and the outside was almost new. Oh, that's... So... We got the car serviced because we kind of figured we needed to, and there's an oil light showing that. Um, <laughs> well, but I checked the oil. The oil's fine, and the oil light goes away after sort of sixty seconds and never appears again until you start the car again. Oh god! So time to get the car serviced. Got the car serviced. Uh, the guy said, "Yeah, look, those." T- I didn't realize they were at the belts. I knew they were bad, uh, and he goes, "Oh, look, they're actually quite not great." And uh, sort of reaches in. Michelle, my wife, took the um, the car in. It reaches out and sort of went to show her. Pulled his hand back and had pricked his hand. 
Oh, <laughs> so when he was saying it's down to the belts, he, there was no hyperbole. That was, yeah, you know, it was there's some steel here. <laughs> either he's the world's best magician and was able to secrete a pin in his hand or, yeah. Um, so we had to buy two new tyres for this damn car that three days later we got a trade on. Anyway. Speaking, speaking of... of- Descriptions of tyres, though. Before we traded in Rachel's yeah. car last year, we had uh, a similar conversation with, um, with with the dealer where we were getting it serviced, who we were unhappy with for a lot of different reasons. But sure. it, yeah, he was saying, "Oh yeah, they, they, these tyres are—they're down to the belts." And I'm thinking, that—that that just seems insane. I can't yep. believe that we would have let them get that bad. Same. And so we went and had a look at the tyres and. They were down on the inside to the tread wear indicators, meaning that they had two mil of yeah. tread. So they did need to be replaced, but down to the belts is a very, very oh. different definition. Yeah, no, tell me about it. So hey. I, I was I was very happy that we ended up taking the car away somewhere else to buy tyres. So the guy did us, a spe- honestly, a spectacular deal. He's found the cheapest new tyres in the world. Um, and then I look at the tyres on the car, I think they're even... Like a, a brand that I would look at and call reputable, Ooh, um, like a known brand. And <laughs> so, I looked at the receipt, and he's kind of price matched and done some trickery that meant we looks like we got reasonable tires for the price of cheapies. Nice. So he's he's price matched it for us, and he's also uh, it wasn't a dealer that we went to. It was uh, Kmart, Torrent Auto, and we've been getting our Captiva um, service there since we got the shits with Holden. Um, and they've looked after us wonderfully, like quite seriously. They've been upfront about everything. They've called a spade a spade. Uh, and even in this case, they sort of came back and said, yeah, no, look, when we put the tires on, we had a look, it looks like your front something arms need replacing, um, which is a prob- a common problem with Captivas. Um, so that would be another XT hundred bucks. Um, and as far as the oil light still coming on, yeah, we think that's probably this sensor, but to get to it and replace it is going to cost you a thousand bucks. Um, at which point the, the, uh, unrealistic trading value started to look a little bit more realistic. Oh, three days later, I signed for $10,000. I just went, you be beauty. Yep. Um, we are unloading this heap of crap. Um, that said, I, I will, and, and I, it was kind of a bold move, right? We'd been and looked again at the cars, the car that we're wanting to buy, and went to a dealer local to us. So, hang on, I'm going to guess that that dealer is not a Holden dealer. No. <laughs> so you're, you're breaking with tradition, Stephen. Yeah, you know, we're how, going to a strange new Korean landscape. Ooh, how does it feel? Very weird, I have to say. As someone who grew up where it was Holden and Ford were the choices... Um, you know, based on what my dad taught me, um, it, it I, I'm at the point where I, I accept my limitations and I know my faults and the cars that we were looking at were point and shoot and tell me how much it's going to cost to service it. And thank you very much. That's just where that's at. Um, but it has to be comfortable. So we have test driven the car that we're now going to get, we hope. Um, twice, three times in six months. So I'm very proud of the fact that we've taken the time to look and test drive and try and all of those things. Um, Michelle has read 11 billion things, you know, as far as reviews and researched and all of that. That's her bag. She loves it. So 
we're comfortable with the choice of car that we've made. Um, we went to, as I said, we went sort of just after this incident with the bloody car servicing um, to uh, a local dealer, test drove it, checked it out, talked to the guy, and I just can't, like, we weren't there to kick the tyres. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, we sat down and we got them to, to do a, uh, you know, to what price would you give us on a trade and what price are you going to give us? What's the end result? Where do we need to get to? And all that sort of vibe. And they went and gave us, you know, a, a quote on the trade and it was, you know, sub 10, just. And I kind of went, well, that's not enough. And the, that price isn't good enough. And his response was like, well, where do you need to get it to? And at that point, I kind of went, oh, I guess to about here. And he was like, oh, you know, that's going to be tough. And so we just kind of walked away feeling like they they weren't serious. Mm -hmm. Like whether they thought we weren't serious or whether, but certainly from our perspective, there's no way that's a thing. And Michelle and I were sort of lamenting that we've had a look and I said, look, well, we haven't talked to every dealer in Brisbane. Um, There's enough different dealers that aren't owned by the same um, dealer principle that we could, you know, effectively shop them against each other. Um, so near where I work, like legitimately less than about 800 meters where I work is another dealer for this car company. So Saturday morning, the next day, I help clean the house, nick off, go in, see him. Um, I'm standing around sort of kicking tires, looking at stuff, and this this uh, younger, certainly younger than the first girl we spoke to like the day before at a different dealer, sees me kicking tires, walks, how can I help you today? I said, I want you to sell me that car. And he goes, oh, do you want to take it for a test drive? I said, nope, done it. What price can you do me? Let's go upstairs and talk. Uh, so he sat down. He's very polite. We talked it through. He's He put on a great show, Dave. Oh, yeah. This is always, always the fun part. Like, he's sort of doing, you know, what's your car and this? And he said, all right, so I'll just do a standard depreciation. It's worth about number. He writes down, again, sub 10. Um, uh, and he goes, so what price were you looking were you looking to get to? And I thought, oh, look, I'll go low on what I think they go, they are going to offer me. Mm-hmm. And know, know that I can then come up to stuff. Yep, yep. And the number that I gave him, he hit. <laughs> See, see, you just you just been telling this story about how you're this you know bad negotiator, and you you just win on the first go. No, but this is the problem, Dave. I'm now second guessing myself <laughs> and going, should I have cut lower? No, no, no you, you just you just be happy and you walk. Oh no, away. yeah, yeah. Well, I signed. I gave him my five hundred bucks. We're waiting for the car to get found. Um, <laughs> well, that's like with with, uh, with, with when we, were, when we were getting rid of Rachel's car last year. Uh, you know. There was, there was a bit of a conversation with Rach of, oh, I'm not quite sure about the colours and options. And and the um, the trading that they gave us was only just enough to get us out yeah. of um, the finance that we had on the old car. Yeah. It was just like, no, 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 we're going home with a new car like this week. We're cutting it running. No, I hear that. We are not fucking around. Well, there's some interesting stuff, see, Dave, and that is because I work for the church. Now, I'm not a minister. Um, but I would equate the best uh, equivalence for my job is that like I'm a youth worker or a youth pastor, uh, except that I'm not connected to a specific congregation. I have a statewide responsibility. Um, but I learned something in this process is that lots of different car dealers have like a discount for ministers. Right. Yeah. All, all you have to do in the process is kind of prove 
uh, get a letter from someone to say this person is in ministry, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know if it's a dealer-specific one. Certainly the couple of dealers we spoke to of the same uh, car manufacturer both kind of made noises about there was a thing. Uh, well, at least the first guy did. Well, the well, price... Okay. Now, is this any any religious minister? Because uh, <laughs> I reckon I could get a letter from the Pastafarians. The Church of the Running Dave. <laughs> like, this thing seems to be really, really open to abuse. It was... Well, I would have thought so, but look... It... <laughs> Oh, oh, and, and to add uh, fuel to the fire, a friend of mine who is a Baptist pastor um, got a white-hot deal on his new whatever it was um, because all he had to do was get the church secretary to send a letter to say, yes, this person is in full-time ministry with us, blah, 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 and apparently got like four grand oh. off the ca- I know. Now, you're ready for this. Yeah. When, like, so new cars, I know, I've, I've bought enough cars in my time to know they turn on the, you need to buy these things. Mm-hmm. When he's selling us the car, he doesn't offer us the bull bar pack and all of that sort of stuff, which I was surprised because uh, at like only, I'll say only fifteen hundred bucks extra for all of the bits, I would have thought that's kind of reasonable. You know, it doesn't make the car look ugly. Um, perception is it's just a knee breaker, like it's not going to be a thing. But then also stop and think, well, all it's going to do is add you know a little bit of length to the car that we kind of don't need to worry about, and the car we've got, we haven't driven into anyone or anything. Plus, we have comprehensive insurance on it. So even if we did, it's just inconvenience, right? We, we'd cope with all of those things. Mm-hmm. But he starts with, oh, you'll need mats, 500 bucks. And I went, oh, um, uh, he said, no, no, don't worry about it. We'll get the mats in there. It's not a problem. Like, I, I haven't even had the chance to say no. <laughs> right. And he's just thrown 500 bucks on top of the list price. Um. <laughs> I can't believe mats are still an option. Oh, I can't believe that mats are five hundred bucks. Four bits of carpet. Get stuffed. Anyway, oh, I would, I would love to see the actual margin on those if oh. anyone ever paid like like list price for them. It oh, be... or if you could get inside baseball to see what the list price was, like it would be. Oh, I reckon. Oh. I mean, people talk about you know, Apple's margins, oh. <laughs> but, but but Tim Cook, I reckon, would absolutely go Flip over the moon yeah, yeah, yeah. if he could make uh, iPhones as profitable as car mats. Oh, man. It's the Apple tax, and then it's the Howard tax, and then it's the Costello tax. It's all the taxes, and it all of it goes to the manufacturer. Um, so he's thrown that in. So that's bumped it up. List price plus that to, to I think, nearly 39 mm-hmm. uh, I've gone, oh, crap. Um, and his sort of you know, estimate on what they would give us for the car was like sort of nine and a half. And I'm like, oh, this isn't looking great. Uh, and I gave him a number. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, we'll need to go and look at the car. Can you give us the key? So, like, I understand that. If you want to, they hadn't looked at it at that point. So they needed to go and value it and all the rest of it. And I'm sitting there sort of just going, oh, man, I need to be harder at this. I'm not the world's best negotiator. I am on some things, but on big ticket items, I just become a little child or stuff that I don't know enough about um, tech stuff. I can negotiate you the best deal on a television or a laptop anytime. Um, when it comes to a car, all they need to do is start talking about the EFI multi-point wankity fuck. And I've got no idea. Um, I mean, I know what the things are. I know where the oil goes. I know where the air goes. I know where the fuel goes. That's the end of the game. 
Oh, um, Steve. Oh, I'm horrible, Dave. If I am a car yards friggin', I'm the rube. I'm you're... the guy that walks in and they go, we're going to make some money today. I, I think you'll find the term is wood duck, mate. Oh. I'm a deer at freaking headlights, I know that. He <laughs> uh, comes back after what felt like an eternity. It was probably only about 15 minutes. It, it's kind of like being in the principal's office, oh, going, like one, wondering if they're going to find out something that you've done wrong. <laughs> yeah, like, and, is he going to have a look at the control arms on those oh, four wheels? Oh, yeah, that's right. It, and the, oh, the light for the fuel is still showing up. <laughs> oh, the everything, right? Yep. He comes back, and, and you're sitting in an open showroom, right? There's cars around, it, but there's other desks and people sitting at desks, and you're kind of sitting there going, everyone can see I'm sitting here. I look like such a loser. Um, he says, I've got good news and bad news. What do you want first? I said, look, just give me the news, man. I'm a big boy. He said, the bad news is there's a light that comes on when you start the car. Uh, I said, yeah, yeah, I know about that. He said, but don't worry about it. Um, here's the deal. And they gave us... A 10 grand trade on the Craptiva, and they cut four grand off the list price. Ooh. Which got us down to the number that Michelle and I went, if they can give us this, we will deal with it. So. <laughs> and, and, and now, and, and, and now you're like arguing over color. <laughs> well, it's not even arguing, right? There are five <laughs> color choices, and. Uh, you know, you, I, I've said to Michelle, look, I'm happy with this one, this one, or this one. She said, I want that one. I want that one. Um, so that's what I said we want. No worries. We'll find it for you. Not a problem. Now it's like, yeah, we can't find one. Um, I expect to hear today, given the dealer principal said, I will make sure that the sales guy contacts you every day to let you know where we're at with this. Um, now, I hadn't been pressing them. I just rang yesterday to find out, hey, where's it up to? And, uh, like, they're on the case. Um, but they, he'd also said in an email, are there other colours you would consider? <laughs> and I'd yeah. said, oh, look, I know that Michelle really has her heart set on this colour. To help me out, as a matter of interest, what's the stock availability of the other colours? He hasn't replied to that. Mm. Um, but then I learnt last night. And now, Dave, this is... This is the men are from Mars, women are from Venus moment. Right, yep. I learnt last night, my wife and daughter have already named the car. <laughs> and this is the reason... But they haven't even met part, I know, in part, why we can't change the colour. Oh, God. <laughs> now, our current Craptiva is a sort of sandy, sort of light you know, brown colour, tan colour, and... Uh, one of the first trips we took, and it was up to Fraser Island, so its name is Fraser, apparently. Uh, all of our cars have had names. Um, I learned. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't start me. Uh, but this this car we're looking at, they want the, the red model, and uh, that's because they have determined it's going to be called Phoenix. Right. So we can't get the midnight blue version. We can't get the silver, whatever. Like, I don't care. I said to Michelle, look, the blue one would be fine, but whatever you want, I'm I'm not. That's not an issue. Because I already got her to compromise a little bit on, uh, like, which of the levels of car we got. Mm-hmm. So we didn't get the top one. We wrote off the bottom one. So that, that only left sort of two. And she was like, but this one has all of that except for these three or five, seven things. And I went, yeah, but those three or five, seven things for me are valuable because they add to 
a small part, the level of luxury of the car, perceived value, uh, all that kind of stuff. Like, we haven't gone, give us the thing with the vibrating seats. Um, but it's, you know, it's like a, a reasonable level of comfort that is not the top-of-the-line car, which is another eight or ten grand sure. on top of the one that we got. No, I, it, I, I, I hear you. But it doesn't have, like, the top-of-the-line has all of the lane-changey, you know, automatic um, uh, cruise control, slowy-downy stuff. Oh, yeah, all of those kinds of safety features. Yep. But it's got all of the safety features you would want and need, ABS and, you know, all of the things. So, 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 so are, are you going to reveal what it actually is? I mean, you, you've said it's Korean. When and I'm we guess, have it. And, and I'm, I'm guessing... It really okay. narrows it down to about three manufacturers now, well, right? Well, 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 it does. And given that you're talking bull bars, I'm thinking something a bit SUV-ish. Oh, yeah, no, we, we are... When we moved from our Berliner wagon that we got uh, at a, uh, like it was an ex-lease auction. Mm-hmm. It, it had 25,000 clicks on it. We drove that thing into the ground um, to trade into the Captiva. Right. Uh, but it was great. But because it was a Belita, again, it wasn't quite the top, but it was near the top. So it had all of the nice climate controlly stuff. I kind of looked at Michelle and said, well, we kind of can't go south of this now from a le- from a level of personal snobbishness. Um but also from just the enjoyment stuff. But when we went to the Captiva, she wasn't sure the move out of a wagon into an SUV, and now I cannot get her out of an SUV. Right. Uh, well, no, look, I, I, I can understand that. Uh, uh, that, uh, that. That is not an uncommon feeling amongst drivers. Um, yeah, look, I mean, I'm, I'm an SUV driver yep. now, and, and let me tell you, that is a long, long way away from like the little Peugeot hatchback, which I think was yeah. the first. That was the first new car that we ever bought. Was my was my pug? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, very, very different driving experience. But I, you know, yeah, I hear that. I, I think, I think, I think it's the middle aged man in me, Malk. I think I'm quite comfy in my yep. <laughs> my big rolly SUV. Yep, that's <laughs> it's full of the, the kids' vibe. crap and yep. all that sort of thing. Fits yeah. all the stuff. Yeah, oh, but see. Have I told you I've got a Ford Territory and the lease on it is up at the like it's a, a fleet one yes. and it's up at the end of this year and, and there are no there are no Ford Territories anymore, Malk. No. And, and what Ford you know unhelpfully referred to as a replacement costs yeah. a lot more than our fleet managers prepared yeah. to spend. So I'm not going to have I'm going to end up in something quite a bit smaller Ooh, than the Territory, and I don't I don't. I don't think that I'm looking forward to that, Stephen. I hear that. All right. Oh, so so it's not here. So it's a red Korean that's not here yet and won't have a bull bar. Yes. All right. Oh, so close. I am going to push them in that because I talked about this with Michelle last night. I said, what if they can't get us a red one? Like what if, you know, or, or that you know, we have to wait more than the end of the month. She's like, I don't know how long our car will last. <laughs> uh, I said, I hear that, but that's not that's a their problem, not an our problem. Um, so I said, what would you accept as far as if they came and said, look, yeah, we can't get this. We want to settle it before the end of the month. Will you take another colour? What do we push for? This is where the bulk, you know, trying to be a hard negotiator steps in. She's like, oh, I don't know. I said, look, man, I, let's just bring it on. Let's just see what they can come at. Um because it's going to be if they if they try and do that, and I know they won't, because they'll they'll lock the deal in, which is fine. Um, but it's just being prepared for the what if stuff. Given that it's the twenty first, and they have ten days to source that car to make their money. Listen, if it helps, Steve, um, you know the fiery phoenix, 
uh, or, or sorry, just the Phoenix, which mm. was the uh, the uh, the, sh- the spaceship in G Force. Yes, it was. It was blue. It was blue with red tips. Uh, absolutely. And 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 admittedly, you know, it did go bright orange and turned into flames. Oh, it also had a plane that came out of the back of it and a motorcycle and a weird kind of six-wheeled vehicle that came out of its wings. Yeah, well, yeah. But but the point that I'm getting at, though, is you could always use that as a way, like, as a negotiating of a point. Sa- yeah, yeah, with oh, <laughs> selling it at home. So with, for with sure. Michelle, go, no, 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 there are lots of blue things called Phoenix. Look. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 uh, all hope is not gone. All right, well, like, it, it, it sounds like... After your very, very unhappy time discussing (laughs) car dealers a little while ago, that you're now a much happier, more satisfied uh, consumer. The the extended proof will be in the pudding. Um, (laughs) In in that, like, I'm fine to, like, I see it as a pragmatic roller dice. When we got the crap TV, we expected to, like the... um, uh, the wagon, the Berlina, to hold on to it for 10 years. There is no flipping way we would have held on to the crap TV for 10 years. Not without, by the sounds of it, replacing at least an engine and a gearbox. Oh, God. Like, just not for a second. So, if we if we keep this one for as long as we're expecting to, we'll have, we'll have done very well, and we'll certainly have paid it off, and we'll just have got into the age of disposable cars. Mm. Yep. Because that's all we're at now. Spe- speaking of cars and, and shopping for them... We're not in the the shopping for cars. Well, we shouldn't be in the shopping for cars market, having just replaced (laughs) one last year. But we also have a 13-year-old son who has just discovered cars are cool. Cars are great, Dad. So between uh, between Fast and the Furious and Forza Horizon, (laughs) my son has a very unrealistic expectation. (laughs) He wants his what? first car to be a WRX or something. <laughs> you, well, that's his. That's the step down option. Oh my god! What does he want? <laughs> if he can't get like a Dodge Challenger. Oh jeez! <laughs> like yeah, what? nah, no. And and I've been trying to educate him about this because uh, for a little while there he was you know he was really into the, the, the new Mustangs and I said mate. I said, I hate to break it to you. But oh buddy. I said, but they're cars for old men. And he goes, yeah. what do you mean? I said, I said mate. No, no young hip people can afford to buy Mustangs. No. I, said, they are, I said, you look, every time we see one, it will be an old man. I said, it'll be someone even older than me who gets out of the driver's seat. Yep. I was like, oh, okay. Anyway, when we were down in Melbourne for hockey, we saw quite a few of them like, and at service stations and at the yep. lights and stuff like that. And universally, every single time, old man. Old man. <laughs> so, yeah, this so, is the, the midlife crisis car. <laughs> so he's gone off the Mustang, but yeah, now, yeah, Dodge Challengers, WRXs are okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm uh, just like, oh, mate, you are in for such a shock. The, uh, but of course, my main point is, mate, this is not a conversation we even need to be having no. for five years. Yeah. Like, I cannot cope with five years of you window shopping cars. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh. I, think- I remember when I was growing up, Dave, that, and it was about the time that I think they sort of came to the country, or probably they were a little bit before, but the Hyundai XL was an easy entry-level first car for young men that they can then spend a whole bunch of money on the aftermarket gear and put massive spoilers and huge exhausts and, like, all of the stuff to make (laughs) it feel like it was cool. No engine improvements, though. Never cool. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was never cool. Oh, they were horrible. Yeah, they it were worst. horrible. Uh, see, uh, again, because we were, were Holden dealers, uh, and, and when I was a kid, Dad had actually had like a Brock Group Three Commodore. Like that had lived wow. in our that had lived in our garage, and I had spent a lot of free time like sitting in the driver's seat of that car, imagining yeah. driving it around, um, only to have it, you know, cruelly taken away from me <sighs> by Dad selling it. Um, <laughs> So so rude. Have I told, ever told you about that? I, I didn't believe him when he told me he'd sold it. And I, really? I cr- yeah, and I started crying, and I refused to speak to him for the rest of the day. Nice. <laughs> like, he came home in this, like, non-Brock car, and I'm like, what's this? Yeah, where, where did the other <laughs> car go? Where's the Brock car? Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it was mm, a lot of consternation. So, anyway. So at, least you didn't, at least he didn't then go and buy the, uh, the, the Brock other thing. <laughs> the, the larder? No. Yeah, whatever it there, was. There was a larder dealer in Inverell for a little while. But um, anyway, uh, but, but so I, I, I was, you know, into Holden's and bits and pieces. So my room was full of street machine magazines and Tirana magazines and all this sort of stuff. And it, the, the whole concept of, of those sorts of cars, no, dad was horrified by it. Like, again, he could just see the, the money pit that it would be. Uh, and, and what didn't make it any better was like, you know, he had the Brock Commodore. But before yeah. that, like he'd had, a, he had had... Uh, uh, an XU1 Tirana at one stage. Um, I think there hadn't been a Monaro, but there'd been like uh, like a, a GTS4 um, Kingswood. Uh, like the, you know, he had had some pretty cool stuff, and, and so it was pretty hard for him to sort of talk it down when when I was like, "Well, I have evidence that you've had all these cars, so yeah. they must be great." Um, yeah, it, it was no surprise that my first car ended up being a little Subaru, <laughs> something yep. far less likely to cause damage. And so, again, I, I guess th- this is maybe some, some karmic stuff, uh, Rupert going through the, oh, yeah, and we're just going, oh, you are so, so getting a hatchback. <laughs> oh, and this will be the thing I know when um, you know Luke gets old enough, because he's 12, had no interest in cars, barely just starting to stow an interest in girls, but it is showing it's actually kind of funny. I can see why my parents taunted me when I first shot an interesting girls. It's fun. Um, <laughs> it is so much. It is so much fun. You, you know what's even more fun? Rupert still hasn't thought to turn off the notifications on the oh. front screen of his iPhone. So every time a Snapchat thing oh. comes in, I can go, "Oh, who's this? Who's this? Oh. Dad, give it here! Give it Dad, here!" Dad, you're the best. Worst. <laughs> it's worst. Awesome. Best. So good. Oh, um, so good. <laughs> I remember. So when Luke gets old enough for a car, at this point it'll be well, what have you done to save up for it? Like, when he gets old enough to work, we'll be encouraging him to get a part-time job. I believe that's important in his life. Um, uh, and especially if he thinks he's just stepping into a car as soon as he gets his P-plates. Because the good news for him is that unlike my dad, I have zero idea mechanically. So when his car doesn't work, it won't be, Dad, can you help me pop the bonnet and work out how to fix it? It'll be, Dad, can you pick me up from the mechanics because I've had to drop the car off? Um, so it'll have to be something very reasonably mechanically sound and probably very uncool, but very practical. Well, the, the, the hard thing is, it, it's not even like you could do too much with your cars these days. Like, No, God, uh, you need it, a computer just to tell you the oil needs changing. Um, you know, like with my little Subaru, so it was an 80... An 80, 83 coupe, so it was still, yeah. uh, it was still carbureted. Um, yep. It had, um, it, it had, it had uh, points. So like you know, there was nice. Yeah, yeah, I remember you know, points. I know what uh, they are. <laughs> um, and and so 
uh, a few times that there were like weird little problems with it. It was stuff that I, I could fix with, you know, changing the spark plugs or some yep. leads or, or you know, mucking around, you know, sticking a screwdriver in here and, and, and trying to make that work a bit better. And, Wedging that, twisting this. Yeah, you know, and, and, so, and that was good. Um, but like, like, that's just not something that can happen anymore. And I'm not going to yeah. sort of put my kids in 30-year-old cars. Yeah, <laughs> just, that's right. Just, just for the sake of going, oh, well, this way you can learn to repair it. Because it's just not, yeah. it's just not a skill that, that's worth having. Like, even something simple like, like you know, changing your own oil. Yeah. Like, you, you then still need to do something with that old oil. <laughs> like, it's oh. like, you know what? The, yes! It is, it is, it is less effort and probably less cost to take your car somewhere that will do a cheap oil change yep. rather than going to the effort of buying some oil, doing it yourself, yep. and then going out to the tip to the proper like waste disposal thing. And paying thing. to have it disposed of. <laughs> exactly. It's just like, you know what? It's just, it's just take it down there. My dad changed the oil in our cars all the time, particularly his work vehicle. And uh, I know what he did with his old oil <laughs> as, a, as an old farm kid. And uh, there are now houses that if they ever decided to excavate around where their yard is, <laughs> they might think they've become Saudi overlords. Um, yeah, not oh, great. No. Um, the thing, just to, to the reminiscences that, that come in this, Dave, is that I watched the very unsuccessful miniseries Brock um, on <laughs> 10 last year. Yep. Uh, and apart from all of its failings, it reminded me of some stuff that I missed as a kid um, about you know the, the the legacy of Peter Brock and him believing his own press releases and all of that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but particularly the run-in he had with, because oh, I think he was or with HSV uh, about the Brock car that he was going to release, this special model, because no, they'd done a few. Yeah, yeah. But this one that had the magical gemstone box in it, the crystal box, yeah. Listen, I remember all of that because we we were a, a HDT dealer, like like it yes, that's it, what it was. Yep, it literally was like the Holden dealer team. So yes. like like if you like you would pay um, uh, HDT, um, and then the uh, what you got back from that as well as you know being able to put up some nice signage was also then you had access to selling the yes. HDT cars. Yep. Um, and, and so I, I remember this very very keenly because it was uh, quite a point of consternation. <laughs> well, to, to the point that I learned that in the process he was about to launch this new um, HDT car, this Commodore that he tricked up and stuff that had the what was the box called? The Polarizer. That's right, the Polarizer that just had a bloody few rocks in it. Um, but you know, in his uh, anecdotal testing, made it run smoother and better. Idiot. Um, I cannot believe that that, like a man who I look at as such a gifted driver and seemingly so intelligent, just fell down a bloody rabbit hole that gemstones magically fix things. It was, Jeez, yeah, it was, that's it was, crazy. It was just um, uh, but they're enormous. Like, they're so, well, the way it was purported in the miniseries, and I sort of did a little bit of research after it, was that he's about to launch this car. Holden, finally, like the 11th hour, get back research to say it makes no bloody difference. Uh, nothing like the benefits that he's purporting. And they contact him and say, if you launch this car, then we're terminating your contract and we're coming after you. Yep. Uh, and he did, and they did. <laughs> it was massive. Holy crap, um, man. Like, this was the son of Holden basically giving them the middle finger, I know better than you, and then going, right, son, 
we're going to show you how this works. Now, and look, and I can still remember we we had brochures for the direct. For, for, it was called the director, and I think that like, yes, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that that the that stuff had all come out in advance of the actual release because I can I can remember we had like a little pile of yep. uh, of uh, Brock director um, like shiny brochures. Like yes, that, that, oh. that, that was one of the best things about you know the, the car dealership when I was a Living kid. Living in a car yard was yeah. was shiny brochures. Oh, and not just that, not just that, Mark. We had. We had a laser disc player. Oh, what? No, listen. We so this is a thing that Holden made us buy, right? Yeah, but, of course they did. <laughs> I know how it works. Yeah. So, what what Holden made us buy was this. It was this big upright cabinet, and uh, like it looked not not too dissimilar from the side to like a, a video game cabinet, right? Yep. Um, we, and it had the. Uh, you know, some some nice modern colours, which in that stage was like a yellow, a beige, and a, like this weird orange. Um, and so up the top of the this thing, you had had a, a television mounted in it, yes. um, a relatively large one. And of course, we're talking a CRT, yeah. so so the, the like so the thing's already top heavy and all really expensive. <laughs> yeah, um, and and it was on casters, so you could move it around the show. Of showroom. course, yeah. Um, and then down the bottom, it had a laser disc player, and at the very uh, sorry in the middle, and the very bottom was like uh, you know it was where you would keep all the laser discs. And so what Holden would do is they would send send when there were new models, they would send you out new like disc. two two laser discs. So there would be like a sales laser disc for people at the dealership were supposed yep. to watch to learn about the new the new car, and then you had like a, a customer one. And the idea was that you would just you know, put these on and, and leave them there on rotation and, you know, just keep going out and changing the laser discs. Yep. Well, of course, that laser disc player went very, very quickly from being in the showroom oh, to, yeah. to being in a back room <laughs> where, yeah. where the only person who watched the laser discs was me. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it didn't even occur to me until years later that I should have bloody... Um, Snatched that because th- there was yep. one place in town that sold laser discs. Like, um, there, there uh, only one. Uh, uh, like the, the the normal record store uh, that sold VHS tapes didn't, but there was a high end uh, stereo place, yes. and and they had like a small library of laser discs, uh, which were insanely expensive. Which is probably why it never occurred to me. But um, I do remember they had Star Wars on laser discs because I actually I actually. <sighs> I actually sat down and watched it oh. in the showroom of this place one time. They, they had it on. I was like, can I watch this? And they're like, sure, knock, knock yourself out. <laughs> so I just sat there and watched Star Wars on Laserdisc on their oh, probably enormous, enormous 80-centimeter oh. television. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, 32 inches. 30. Biggest thing instead of being yeah. in a cinema. Oh, yeah. Um, so oh, God knows where all that... I do wonder whether that stuff is still like in a in a back cupboard somewhere oh, in the dealership because our dealership building was enormous, right? It yeah. was absolutely huge, and so there was unlimited space to just keep throwing crap in because, like, because yep. um, uh, yeah, it was a big dealership um, connected to the spare parts area and and the the workshop area, and the workshop area itself was enormous, um, and. Uh, and like there was a a second floor above all the, the dealership area, um, and and a mezzanine level in the uh, in the workshop as well. And yep. so up there we had you like just so much crap. We had old signage like nothing ever seemed to get really thrown away because there was almost unlimited room to put yep. it. So 
would have become like a time capsule of, of Holden advertising. Oh, it was. There was some really, really cool stuff there over, over the years. Um, oh, like the, we still had the Audi and the, and the Volkswagen signage up there. <laughs> so like nice. literally nothing got thrown away. See, I've got a drawer uh, here in my study where I have collected, since I've been in the TV game, um, the press kits that used to get sent out. So when I first started and people started taking me seriously as a reviewer and a critic and stuff, they would subscribe me to their C- their DVD releases where they would send out previews of shows and sort of every other day you'd get a package from someone, open it up and there was discs for new shows or new episodes. You'd go, oh yeah, I'm going to watch that or no way in hell I'm watching that. So yeah, that, that became a library that I had to work through and get rid of. But for all the new release stuff, there used to be a, a huge competition between networks or, or production companies of who could put together the best press kit, uh, like embossed colour, you know, books and, and the quality of paper and the way it looked phenomenal. Nobody does it anymore. Like they just send out, here's the PDF of the press kit, <laughs> yeah, which hey. is fine. It still communicates the same information and does nothing more. There's no razzle but, dazzle. Oh, there is no razzle dazzle. I don't. I can't bear to part with these, Dave. Like some of them that. are bound books that are just time capsules. No, I know what you mean. I've I've got a a book on my shelf here that I did pinch from the dealership. That was yes. um, it was all about the production and release of the first Commodore. Um, nice. Yeah. So like, and that that's pretty cool. I, unfortunately, it has with the number of places it's travelled over the years, it hasn't been kept in um, ideal condition. Um, but you know, it, it, it's you know, a nice thing. It's not, it's not something that was sort of ever released to the public. It was like a dealer distributed thing. Um, what else have I got? I've got a cool little, uh, I guess you'd call it a bar room mirror that's got, um, an, an FX Holden, um, and the original Holden logo on it and some nice lettering and stuff like that. Yeah. But the, the, the one piece of memorabilia that I'm sad, oh, I had this great, again, another sort of barroom mirror style thing of um, Peter Brock's A9X Tirana. Yeah. Um, and the bloody thing fell off the wall at one point and smashed. Oh. So that that was probably the best bit of memorabilia that I had. But uh, I know what you mean about not not wanting to get rid of it. Like, the, the, the Holden mirror sits out here in the shed. <laughs> it's not allowed in the real house. Yeah, of course not. <laughs> But, uh, but, yeah, I couldn't get rid of it, though. It's, uh, I'm yeah. just having a look in the drawer now, Dave, and there's, like, um, press kits for the Spicks and Specs reboot, for Dirty Laundry Live, for... Um, I've got sets of discs that they sent out. So what's this one? Is this Game of Thrones? Yeah, yeah. I've got the first three seasons of Game of Thrones on disc sent via... Foxtel PR. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, what's that? I was going to say, I hope that their solution to that these days isn't to give you a free code to the streaming service because that wouldn't work out very well. Uh, well, it's a whole other beast, right? That's a whole other podcast. Uh, like the first three seasons of Black Mirror sent out by SBS. Wow. Um, I've got uh, a national building, a nation building authority lanyard that Working oh, Dog nice. created that they sent out as a part of their first press kit for Utopia. Um, there's lots of crazy stuff in this drawer, man. But that's the thing. I don't want to get rid of it because some of no. it's really, really amazing. 
That sounds very, very cool. And is like not being, it's just not being created anymore. The last press kit I got was for Legion on FX. Uh, and they might still send press kits in the States because of the, of course, the amount of them that they get to make to send out to critics. But in Australia, it's just not worth the hassle. Yeah. Nah, oh, bugger. Hey, oh. Yeah. Just back to the list. Seeing as yes. we've got a bit on the uh, list, yeah, yeah, we've, we've, we've got a bit off track. We will reveal the car when the car is probably ours. Okay, that's fair. We enough. might sizzle that it's coming. Um, and why is it, it? You know, if you were to care, Dave, you'll probably find a photo on Michelle's feed before I get to tell you about it. <laughs> but I will hold off from okay. tweeting about it until we've talked. Okay, look, look, I can't ask any more than that. It's the sacrifice but- I'm willing to make. So, hey, no, now, speaking of sacrifices, tell me about your Katy Perry ticket. Oh, my God! <laughs> oh! Uh, tell me, tell me what's happened. This is such an intricate tale of bullshit. Um, oh. You know, you're, the only reason I'm laughing and the only reason I'm enjoying this right now is because it's not me. Oh. But, uh, but I have an 11-year-old daughter, and I have no doubt that uh, this can't be too far away. My... My 10-year-old daughter is, like, we're, we're, we've decided to get our kids involved in music way earlier than I got involved in music, and that's proving to be really good. Um, so she's learning to play the drums, but she's been interested in dance and movement and music anyway, and Katy Perry is smack bang. She is smack bang in the, um, the, the younger part of the demo that are into Katy Perry. Katy Perry's in town. Hey, I've got a tour coming up. Why don't you get tickets? So, this wasn't even my initiation. Yes, Mom. Michelle... Why don't you get tickets? Why don't we get... I'll tell you, we freaking don't get tickets. <laughs> um, Michelle comes to me and said, hey, what do you reckon? Because she got... Uh, now, I say she. Miss 10 got an electric drum kit for Christmas last year. Um, that was... Because I'm dad and I like playing it as well. Yes, it's for you, but I get to play it whenever I want. Um, but if we've still got it when she moves out, it's going with her. Um because she got that and that cost a bunch of money, she knows there's not going to be heaps for Christmas and sort of birthday and stuff this year. Plus, because budgets have shrunk, you know, church mm-hmm. jobs don't pay much. Um, Unless you're a lawyer. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> sorry. 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 We'll let that play through. <laughs> um, the uh, Michelle comes and goes, hey, what, what do you reckon we get Katy Perry tickets for, for Lily? It's like the first big concert experience. Um, she always moans about the fact that Luke's uh, first flight, like airline flight, was with me down to Sydney for a Netflix launch, and she hasn't had one of those, and blah, blah, blah. So let's do something special for her that she gets to have as a first out of the family, like out of the kids, but also her like memorable first experience. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm like, oh, all right, well, let's find out tickets and when the well, here. And then I saw, yeah, because we're a Telstra customer, here's the pre sale. Um, a notification, darling, do we want to do that? Yeah, yeah, we'll suss it out. Pre-sale comes around for Telstra and uh, I jump online and a few things, I learn a few things very quickly. The cheapest seats uh, were, I think, 79 bucks plus a $10 pre-sale booking fee <laughs> each. Get out of my face. Like what? So the benefit of us having access to the Telstra pre-sale Costs us $10 a ticket more. <laughs> Get stuffed. 
Oh, and then, of course, it's the ongoing ludicrosity of, oh, you want to print that at home? That'll cost you $6.80. (laughs) For you to create a PDF that I print out, you jerks. (laughs) Oh, I just am so livid. How that, that is extortionate. Like, I get if you want to pick it up, it costs you money. I get if you want to have them sent out to you, it costs you money. But getting it delivered to Ticketek's mobile app or printing it at home and it costing me nearly seven bucks. Honest. Oh, there are just so many words that are rushing to get out. I cannot contain them. Oh, you know, you know what's what's really rude? Like uh, back uh, before we had kids and, and for a little while when the kids were much younger, um, going to the Formula One Grand Prix in Melbourne with yeah. some of my mates was a, a not an annual event, but it was a thing. Close to, close to. I think I think we went six times, maybe. Anyway, um, I think that the actual cost for sending out the the tickets for the F one Grand Prix, oh. which let me tell you, is a lanyard, a little yep. you know, a little plastic thing, um, a little booklet, and 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 some swag. I think that cost less than seven dollars per ticket. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's uh, it's honestly it's a punch in the face to every person that buys a ticket, and and like I, I guess we're used to false economies. Just hide it in the ticket price. Like if you don't want outrage, if you want to remain ticket tech, the great last bastion of people, the only place that sells tickets for the Brisbane Entertainment Centre or the Brisbane Convention and Exhibition Centre, then be the good guy. Air quotes by not charging his fees. Because all of a sudden the tickets now cost six bucks eighty more. Like, oh, making it transparent makes it worse because he charges for stuff you shouldn't be charging us for. <laughs> it's like buying a packet of cornflakes and being told there's five hundred grams in it. When you open the box, half of the box is air. <laughs> Make a smaller box, you jerks. Don't charge us more money. <laughs> Oh, so but did you get tickets? Is the main thing. Oh, Dave. Oh. Did you get? Did you? Did you actually manage to secure them? Because that that I, I can understand the frustration, and I, and I'm no no fan of Ticket Tech either. But I mean, I mean, the the goal here is to have some Katy Perry tickets. So this is where it gets ugly. <laughs> oh God! Right? There are eleven different ticket types. Oh shit! Standing and the first level of of cheap cheap seats were 80 bucks a head mm. and they went in a heartbeat. And and additionally, Miss Ted isn't tall. We're not going to go and, and put her in a standing only pit and sort of stare up at a screen 20 feet from the stage and not be able to see anything. Plus, Th- That's reasonable. That's plus, reasonable. it was either going to be Michelle or I go with her. And <laughs> both of us went, we are not standing up in a pit full of little kids. Get stuff. <laughs> Um, so there had to be a seat yeah. involved. Okay. All, all about Lily. That's nice. <laughs> the next level of seats was 112 bucks. Mm. And if I say double Z, that's almost <laughs> being generous. And it was the littlest allocation. Like it was the top rows of everywhere around the side and up the back. Uh, and then the two or three sections of the stage that are half obstructed by the stage because they're basically behind the curtain. So you look back sideways onto stage. Right. 
get stuffed with that. <laughs> um, and the fact that then when you go and try and find tickets, I need two tickets, fine. And it goes here and it shows you every other ticket in that section is unavailable. So I started working out how to game the system. I want to get five tickets. Guess what? It gave me the whole freaking row. That is bizarre. Like where I said, it, so it said, here's two seats, the only two seats in this section. You can't click and find and choose other seats. And then you go back and you say, I want five tickets. And you get the two seats you just had and three seats next to it. What happened to choice, Dave? It's not even, you don't get to choose. You choose your ticket price and then you are at the whim of an algorithm. That then professes there's no other tickets except when you want more tickets. (laughs) Well, Steve, they have to be able to have blocks of tickets for the scalpers. (laughs) This has just become me being angry at everything. I just cannot deal with it. So that was a thing. It was like we ummed and ahed about that and we kind of held a breath. Like I said, we let the Telstra allocation pre-sale pass. Because we're also previous Ticketek people, we have an account. We went looking at the Ticketek thing. When their pre-sale went up and the ticket prices had dropped 10 bucks. Um, <laughs> oh, God. But, like, same diabolical choice of tickets. In fact, the tickets that I went looking for in the Telstra pre-sale, the first time I went looking for in the Tech Tech pre-sale, which was nearly four days later, it offered me exactly the same tickets. <laughs> the same seats. Get, get out of the house. Oh. <laughs> It's no wonder the Ticketek website crashes when they release new new shows because people are just permanently going, no, they're not the seats I want. I have to go back, pick the tickets again, pick the day, go next, and you have to regenerate a magical map that says these are the only tickets you can choose from. You dicks. Who wrote this crappy piece of code? I'm loving this. Oh, so, so we even let it slide and it went to public available. And we're still, I mean, we went, oh, look, yeah, we we should probably do it. If we're going to commit, we should do it. First time I went looking for, again, the 111, the cheapest sort of seats that were left. Same seats got offers. (laughs) I went, you are kidding me. (laughs) Like, there are three or four days in between each of these things. And I just get the same ticket. No one wants those seats. Bloody cookies. (laughs) Just tell me. We offered him these tickets. Give him the same tickets. Have you not worked out? I haven't bought them. I don't want the same tickets. So then we just start looking at these other tiers. And so, like, the tiers, Dave, go up to, like, 780 bucks, And all that gets you is, admittedly, pretty great seats. But, to be fair, you're at a concert. It shouldn't be... when, When you've got a raised seating section that then in front of you has what would be 20 rows of people standing up, Aren't you going to spend most of your time standing up just to see the stage? Anyway, um, but the big hook was that it gave you like sort of VIP access and blah, 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 access to a pre-show party. Now, I've been lucky enough to attend one of those. The artist doesn't turn up. (laughs) All it is is some bloody party pies and sausage rolls, a special area for you to stand and sit. You get to walk in and sit in your special seats, and that is it for 780 bucks. Get out of the house. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you didn't buy those ones. No. <laughs> and anyone that does perpetuates the filth that is the international tourism, uh, touring industry and lets artists think that they can charge 
people $780 to see them come on stage and sing only half the time. At this point, I should probably, you know, suggest that you should have got your daughter, you know, into Bruce Springsteen because his tickets aren't quite that expensive and he puts on a pretty good show. (laughs) Paul McCartney is touring and not charging $780. Who is going to Paul McCartney? Thank God. One of my friends texted me and was like, oh, are you going to try and get tickets for Paul McCartney? And I'm like, no, because I'm not my dad. Yeah, that's it. But guess guess who's going, Dave? Your dad. (laughs) And all his mates. And all the chicks they tried to bone in the 60s. Like, it's it's crazy. This friend of mine, this friend of mine, actually, he did. he He got tickets to Paul McCartney. And I'm just like... I don't even know you anymore. Yeah. Oh. Like, you honestly, if you have any integrity, as soon as he starts playing anything by wings, you'll get up and walk out. <laughs> like, this is the friend, like, this is the friend who I, I, we had to go and see Weezer for a couple of years back. Oh, God. You, From you, Weezer to Paul McCartney, a yeah, chest but, of friendship. Well, I told you, have I told you about, about Weezer at Livid? No. Oh. <laughs> so. Sounds like you're starting a list, Dave. <laughs> so. So, uh, I was going to live in Brisbane with two yeah. of my really good friends. Um, and at that stage, I was living in Armadale. One of them was living in Coffs, and one yep. of them was living in Gyra. Oh, road trip. Well, yes. And and the thing is, though, myself and the guy from Coffs, we had, of all places, we had been in Albury for the preceding week because we were companions at Camp Quality. Yep. So, we were flying back into... Uh, Flying, flying back into Coffs. Yep. Uh, and then we were going to drive up to Brisbane that night. Yep. Uh, stay with uh, my friend from Coffs. His brother had a house in Brisbane. Great. Go to, go to live it the next morning. Yep. Easy. Easy plan. Easy. <laughs> easy plan. So anyway, <laughs> while, while, while we're at camp quality, um, my, my, uh, the, the camper who I was paired with... Um, you know, struck up a friendship with another camper and they wanted to do all their activities together. And yep. this other camper, uh, their companion was a, a, a rather attractive girl from Coffs Harbour. So, nice. So what happened was when we got back to Coffs Harbour, rather than us being ready to jump in the car and go to Brisbane, I'm just oh. like, I just kind of need to go out for a while. Oh. <laughs> so... At first, it was oh well, we'll, we'll yeah. We, the original plan was to leave, I think, at about five, or you know, and we, and we pushed that back. Said, look, we'll go out just just until nine. Yep. And then that turned into oh, look, we'll, we'll just stay out till twelve. Midnight. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> easy from there. Which turned into I'll be home three, at three. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> and I literally hopped back in the back of the car. Well, my friend from from Gaira, who had had some sleep. Uh, drove, drove us up to Brisbane with yep. me being obnoxiously drunk the whole way, which is just just to set the scene for one of the bands you wanted to see at uh, oh yeah at at Livid was Weezer, uh, and they weren't on the main stage. Um, they were over on one, one of the the backstages, and yes. we've been back and forth a couple of times already that day. Um, I had literally sat down uh, on the ground in the middle of the crowd during Powderfinger, <laughs> pulled my knees up to my chest, and fallen asleep. Oh, like, people were falling over me, <laughs> walking towards the stage for Powderfinger. Nice. We'd gone back to the main stage to see someone else, and and at that point, um, 
I, I just I just was done. I could not go go yeah. back any further. And I said to Alec, nah, you, look, you go and see Weezer if you want. I'm just going to stay here. And he's like, no, 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 we'll hang out together. And, and I said, I'm going to lay on the ground. <laughs> I, I literally did for a while. It was like <laughs> there was this like performance art space, and I was just, I was oh just, yes. People on stilts with flares and and industrial music, and I was just like, "This is great. This is fine." I'm so, surprised that people didn't come up to you and go, "Wow, he's really speaking to me." <laughs> Look, there was a little. I was so fatigued at one point there that I, I was like staring at these this stuff and going, I, "I think I'm having some kind of like out of body experience." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we, we we I said, "Look, uh, like this was 1996, all right." I said, look, you know, like we, Weezer, um, I think I can't remember. I can't remember what, what they'd released, but you know, they, they were they, they were big. They were coming up, yep. and 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 of course, you know, the late nineties, the festival scene in, in Australia was still pretty big. You know, we, Weezer is teenage dirtbag, yeah. No, no, that's Weetus. That's oh right. God, God no! <laughs> no! Do you like the way I did that to you? God, no, it's this, isn't it? You're horrible. Yeah, I'm the <laughs> best. So, I said, look, <laughs> next time Weezer come out, we'll go and see them. Yep. Right? So, instead, we stayed there. Uh, and because we didn't go to the other stage, we got to see Everclear. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Which was, yeah. Well, we've been talking about that for years. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> then we saw Garbage, who were the, um, yep. were the, the, the headline of that night. Off we go. With the thinking man sex symbol. Yeah. Anyway, so livid, livid was fantastic, but you know the, the only thing was, um, yeah, I'd been obnoxious on the, all the way up, and we hadn't get to see Weezer. But it was like, no, no, no worries, we're going to go and see Weezer as soon as they come to Australia. Steve, guess who, guess who never came back to Australia? <laughs> was it Weezer? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they came back either. No. So Weezer didn't come back to Australia until, I'm trying to think how long ago it was now. It might have been like 2014. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but but the upside was uh, all three of us who were at Liver that day. Dutifully went. We, we all went and saw Weezer up in Sydney along with a couple of other friends. And it was an absolute blast. It would have been amazing. It was so much Just reliving fun. a misspent youth. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, yeah. So anyway, so we so we got her tickets. Dave. Oh, great! Now Miss Ten and a Half, as she is right now, will be Miss Eleven and a Half. In fact, I think this is the first show I've ever bought tickets for over a year in advance. She's is not it... touring until August next year. Well, see, like One Direction and Taylor Swift and those ones all do this. As well, don't they? Like they, they. Oh yeah, the they lock in the cash early. I wonder if also that, given that they have uh, a big appeal in a, in an age group where where change is a massive thing. Oh where, yeah. Where, whether they're trying to lock in some fans who they were oh, worried like might grow dude, out of fandom. I'm I'm going to tell you right now, Miss Ten is going to remain a fan of Katy Perry until at least next September. <laughs> Because I'll be absolutely asked. Because we can't just buy one ticket. She's 10. She'll be 11 next year. Mum or dad have to go with her. In this case, lovely wife's taking the bullet. She's going to go with her. So we had to buy two tickets. And because I'm a complete sap and I know how amazing the experience is when you go to your first big concert and all of that sort of stuff, we didn't buy nosebleed seats. Oh, you're a good dad. I'm the best. Like, I am... 
easily a couple of hundred bucks worth of the best ad. <laughs> and and the thing that kills me, because I love surprises, Dave, I'm all over surprises. She doesn't get them until her birthday next year. So not even Christmas. So I've now got a surprise that I have to hold on to for the best part of seven months. That's pretty awesome. You know, that's like saying, hey, I'll see you guys in a year and then turning up in a year's time with a baby that I told nobody about. <laughs> oh, yeah, by the way, my wife got pregnant. Look, we had triplets. Um, <laughs> it's that, the, the, But again, the thing that kind of gyps me, and I'm kind of glad that I'm not going because I would have a great time with her, but I would be so angry at just the establishment. Um, <laughs> Boondall, where she's playing at in Brisbane, is a massive entertainment center, like huge it's it's sort of on the northeastern side of Brisbane, out in kind of the middle of nowhere. There is a train line, like a train station that is, you know, 300 metres walk from the place. So it's close. But, of course, the train's shut at near midnight. So if the concert runs late, you're stuffed. Um, well, don't they put on, like, special events? No, God, no. Uh. This is Queensland Rail, man. You can get stuffed. That's their motto. <laughs> um, Queensland Rail, you can get stuffed. Um, no, 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 listen, I, I, I remember getting, getting, Livid was at the showground? Yes. Yeah, I remember getting the train back from Livid. Oh, but that, you're basically in the city. If you stumble out of the showgrounds, you can fall down the hill and you're in Fortitude Valley. Ah, okay. So it's nothing away, like everything is there. Yeah, I, 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 I had no sense of geography whatsoever that day. Here's some, here's some, it's not, it's not geographically the same, but distance-wise... Boondall to the city in Brisbane is like Melbourne Airport to the city of Melbourne. Oh, yeah, that's not... It's effing miles away. That, that, that's like holding um, holding Homebake out at Carrara and saying, oh, it's on the Gold Coast. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure it is. Um, so, uh, consequently, because the trains are not reliable particularly if the concert runs late and they have been known to run late or start late because the artist is precious or whatever. Uh, that then means that if you've got the train out, the only way to get home is a cab or Uber or thumb a lift. And at midnight, your wife and daughter thumbing a lift is not the best vibe. Neither is paying 150 bucks for a cab fare, but that's another mm, thing. No. So you have to park. You have to drive. There are two, there are two shows on. We got the second show and got some pretty good seats. That's a Friday night. The traffic coming out of the city and heading north for the weekend because it's August will be plentiful. Plus it's Friday afternoon, plus, plus, plus. Plus a show at Boondall adds extra traffic. So at this point, Michelle and I have already talked. When she finishes work... She and Michelle are getting, she and Lily getting home, getting changed, getting in the car, and driving out to Boondall at like four thirty for a seven thirty start. <laughs> then oh, wow. they'll have to pay fifteen or twenty bucks to park the effing car <laughs> in in the grounds, like fully get stuffed. That is outrageous. Oh. And then, of course, there's the food, which has instant... Well, there's nowhere else to get it, so we'll charge you 30% plus more. Uh, and then there's the inevitable, we need to spend 50 bucks on a T-shirt so she has mm. the full... That oh, vibe. At least one T-shirt. I'm going to have to get a second effing mortgage for this. <laughs> oh, it's just dear. not cool. And, and the icing on the cake. Sitting... Uh, we only got the tickets this week, and we were sort of umming and ahhing last Saturday. 
sitting on the couch, she announces, oh, my favorite YouTuber is coming to town. And I'm going, what? <laughs> what? So uh, a guy who is a YouTuber. <laughs> Please tell me he's not PewDiePie. <laughs> no, it's not that guy. It's, I think it's Dan TDM, I think. Is oh, name. my God. Right? Yes. Yes. So he's coming oh, to Australia God. and touring. Oh, do 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 oh oh I hope well, the information doesn't end up in our house. Oh, okay. See, I see this this conversation has just gone from me like like really really enjoying your pain to me now like staring down the barrel of something truly terrible if my daughter finds out that Dan TDM is coming to Australia. And we just let that sit. And then last night I was reminded because a friend of mine in Melbourne posted, bought the kids Dan TDM tickets, they better effing like it. Um, or they better effing appreciate me or whatever it was. Um, and I said to Michelle, oh, look, remember Lily wanted to see this guy and it's sort of like next month or whatever. Did we want to, you know, where are we at with that? And she went, oh, she'd really like to go. And I went, yeah, but I'm kind of of the feeling, given what we've just done this week, that we should convince her that if she wants to go, she has to pay for her ticket. Because she has pocket money, she definitely could afford it. Like the ticket prices, by comparison, the cheapest <laughs> seats were like thirty nine bucks or forty nine bucks. I was gonna say, but, 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 but hang on, what's he going to do? Is he just gonna, like gonna stand on a stage and play Minecraft in front of them? Well, I think there's gonna be that. There'll be videos and there'll be pranks and all sorts of stupid oh. the stuff that stupid YouTubers do, right? Oh God. Um, and I say stupid because I'm learning more and more about these jerks because I need to be able to explain it to church people. <laughs> this one's a Nazi. Um, oh, yeah. This one's this a misogynist. One, this guy's a complete jerkwide and he has 8.6 million subscribers and oh. YouTube think he's the best and he got a job with Disney. and oh. Anyway, see, I know too much about them already. Um, but the most expensive ticket, I think, was 89 bucks. Of course, the 29, 30 or whatever they were, are like the the two rows at the top of the stadium at the convention centre. Like their nose, nose bleeds again. <laughs> They're like the places Dave saw the Super Bowl from. <laughs> yes. Anyway, so uh, I, I thought, well, we'll have a look at it. We'll work it out. And we can get tickets and then we can tell her that she should pay for them. And surprise, we've already got them, but she still needs to pay for them. They released, I think for Brisbane, they released yesterday, 2 p.m. or something. Yep. I had a look at about five o'clock yesterday afternoon. Both shows sold out. Wow. Actually, to make it worse, I had a look and there were only single seats at one of the shows available. And then when we looked after dinner, sold out. Unbelievable. So this dude, this nobody that has a fame on the internet, has sold out the Brisbane Convention and Exhibition Centre twice. And that's before we get to any of the other stops. And he's doing every capital city. Unbelievable. That's to crazy. show them a Minecraft video that they could watch on YouTube for fucking free. <laughs> Pardon me. Hey, Festival Hall doesn't exist in Brisbane anymore, does it? No. They got knocked down? Yeah, it's now Festival Towers. Okay, yeah. No, cause I saw I saw the President of the United States of America at Festival Hall with Custard as the oh, support. My friend, I mean, that is great. That was pretty cool. Hold my beer. I took my little brother. So I'm in my first year of uni. I took my little brother to see The Sharp, right? Three-piece band. Um, 
like and, classic 80s, 90s I was gonna say, you know, Australian uh, rock. Hang on. Aren't they the ones that got mocked on the late show for like skivvies are black? 100, 100% say that. <laughs> so the Sharp yep. supporting the Spin Doctors. Oh, that's a bit special. And I have to tell you, it was the old crappy, you know, sort of fold up leather bound wooden seat things. We didn't get on the floor because it was standing room only on the floor. Yeah. We got up on the first tier, like center stage. And the sharp were good. They like they laid it down thick, but nobody was there to see the sharp. Um I don't know if you remember the Spin Doctors. These are the, I, the people I, that I I remember it was it uh, was Little Miss Can't Be Wrong. Yep. And uh, was it two, two princes? princes. Yeah, they and, were their two and, big singles. And that's about it. <laughs> that's all well, I they remember. Had, they had three, two or three albums. Sadly, their run was cut short because their lead singer developed a weird sort of throat cancer and couldn't sing anymore. Mm-hmm. They were all phenomenal sort of funk jazz musicians that had come together to create this this very eclectic nineties pop sound. Um, and they were on their way up when all of this happened, so they kind of missed out. But their two singles still stand today. As you know, if you want to pull a best of nineties, yeah, Little Miss Can't Be Wrong and Two Princes, and they were again learning guitar at the time. Two of the songs I slavishly sat down and tried to work out, uh, loved it to bits. They have on the start, so all they were touring was their first album, so they basically played the whole album. It's called A Pocket Full of Kryptonite, mm-hmm. uh, and the song by that title that's in on the album is about. They've even got a song called Jimmy Olsen's Blues. They had a fascination with Superman. Um, but the, the the hook in it was that Jimmy Olsen had fallen in love with Lois Lane and the only way that he could get Lois's attention was to carry around a pocket full of kryptonite so that whenever Superman got near her, he just got sick. Um, but it starts with uh, this great song. The whole album and the night started with a song called What Time Is It? And the, the you press play on the CD and it fades in on like sort of alarm clock playing morning radio. Uh, has started, like, wake up, and then obviously that's not enough. And then um, a proper, you know, the old school alarm clock with the hammer on the bells, that starts going off, and then the guitar riff starts. And it's this great sort of building moment that when the band have actually started, like the the snare could crack, it just comes in with this massive snap, and then it's just this great funk beat for the whole first song. That's how they started, and it... I have never seen anything like it. People standing, pressing towards the stage. And then as soon as that snare hits, the lights are flung up and the band starts with this incredible funk beat. The floor became alive. It was like I was watching water dance. All these heads just, oh, it was incredible. And an amazing concert. It was so fun. That sounds very tidy. Oh, mate, I still, in fact, I've got a five-hour drive ahead of me today. I'm going to listen to the first song, <laughs> probably the whole album by the end of it, but I'm going to bang it on because it is just such a big moment. Like the cymbals swell, the guitar's jangling, doing its thing, the bass slides up, and then the vocals slide in, the big crack on the snare, and it's just on. It's so good. Welcome nice. to 90s Music with Mulk. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Well, well, let's just hope. <laughs> do, you, do you think that in years to come, Lily will be oh. going on a road trip and go, I'm just going to pop that Katy Perry album off. She bloody better. <laughs> like, she better, as a 30-year-old lady, reminisce, have the Rockwiz moment of what was your first concert, 
and go, I was 11 and a half and my mum and dad paid to give me really great seats at Katy Perry and it blew my tiny mind. That, we, on my rock quiz here in Albury, the, one of the, uh, uh, the other contestants, her first concert was um, Hilary Duff. <laughs> Nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, that, that 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 was that was not your average rock quiz answer, mate. That's up there with someone saying their first concert was the Village People. <laughs> well, you know, one with the cockroaches, so you know I can't cast a spoon. No, classic Aussie rock pub mm. band. Yeah, well, yeah, except it was at the Inverell swimming pool. <laughs> she's the one. 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 You can see where where they were developing their um, songwriting chops for, to, to chug a chug a big red car. Hey, let's go, let's go, let's go. Hey, let's go, let's go, let's go. Hey, let's go, let's go. I've just given you two classic Wiggles lyrics. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, well, we haven't even got to Bitcoin. Oh, jeez. Oh, we will need a whole conversation for that. I am still gobsmacked at this. Oh, We'll save Bitcoin. We'll save Bitcoin. Oh, Dave, it's always great chatting with you. Uh, uh, my well, blood pressure doesn't appreciate it, but I do. You, you've made my week, Stephen. <laughs> I love that we've now got sort of another part of the conversation with what is the car? When will it turn up? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh. So many things. Like The list is just getting longer. <laughs> well, we almost need to have someone else have a conversation about our conversations and explain, right, so if you missed the foot, this is where we're at now. <laughs> well, we, well the, uh, we, we didn't even get to talk about um, Man Babies and Doctor Who. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if we're going to start another list or add to it, so we've got Bitcoin... Then yep. let's back it up with the new doctor, which I think is an excellent conversation topic. But no, see, you know what's more, more see, yeah. But you know what, the frightening thing about talking about the new doctor is yeah. that 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 then goes on to Stephen. The internet has given me wonderful things over the years. <laughs> <laughs> do you know, what the, but do you know what the internet has given me like knowledge of recently that I don't think I really needed to know, and what? I think honestly, you know, hang on. You know how one of the things that we say is great about the internet is how we get to, you know, like you get to find people like you. And, and so, especially for people who feel isolated, they, they yes. can often, you know, make connections and feel less isolated. And that, that's really, really great. And, and that's true. But it also has allowed some people who probably shouldn't find other people like them <laughs> to band together. I, I, I found out in the last week, Stephen, what an incel is. And let me tell you, I wish I hadn't. Because I, I thought MRAs were probably, you know, one of the worst things that the internet had to offer. And yes. let me tell you, no. Yeah, no, incels uh, to make MRAs look like preschoolers. These people are just frightening. Yes. Like, oh, so, I, why, internet? What, yeah. What, oh. what, what, why, why did you need to show me the opinions of these people and the things that they think are good ideas. Stephen, I, I've never seen necrophilia used as something other than a punchline before I read, like, a treatise from incels about oh. how to make their lives better. Oh. Necrophilia, Stephen! Necrophilia! And that, oh. wasn't, the, and that wasn't the worst thing. That, 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 this is what, that's not the worst thing that I saw. Yeah. 
Oh, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Not, well, not. the good news is that we can back that up then with either a conversation um, about the prolonged attack uh, by One Nation on the ABC, because that's getting on my nerves, um, <sighs> or, or like we can double down and talk about how Julia Baird, respected journalist, um, oh. released some research around domestic violence, particularly happening within the modern church. Now, off the back of uh, the Royal Commission into, you know, abhorrent things happening to children by institutionalised religion, uh, the fact that there even is existence of data that domestic violence is being hidden within organised religion is abhorrent to me, but that in her releasing this research... People of the ilk of Chris Kenny and Andrew Bolt have suggested that Julia Baird is being anti-Christian. Sweet, merciful crap. Uh, Stephen, now, I have, you know, as you know, moved away from Abrahamic faith, but I would have thought that of any of them that claim some kind of modernity, Christianity and the whole, you know, love one another business would probably not be the sort of place that you could call yourself a Christian if you are uh, endorsing domestic violence. So, <laughs> Hearing reports that pastors oh. have said to abused wives that you just need to go home and forgive your husband is fucking outrageous. And if anyone was ever to hear me say that and got upset that I said the word fucking, they have missed the point of that sentence. Ugh, absolutely. Uh, it's just... Yeah, and the... Uh, the absolute abhorrent abuse that has been aimed at Julia Baird. Oh, it's outrageous. And a lot of it by freaking right-wing Christians. Like people who go to church. Oh, what well, the actual hell? Uh, um, oh, just, you know, wh- wh- while we're, we're, we're beating that drum, there was um, um, yeah, a Pew report. Uh, like like you know, survey type stuff from the states the other day. Yeah, yeah, no, I know it well. Sh- showing that the uh, the strongest like double down supporters of the current president over there are almost exclusively um, evangelical Christians. <laughs> it's just like uh, I, I I've never understood the the right wing Christian thing like that that has even back you know in the days where I did try to you know think maybe that that was my tribe that was something that I never understood. Um, and I still don't. I you don't ready for some it. icing on the cake on that? Yeah, yeah, go for it. So Billy Graham, uh, yeah, yep, yep. noted evangelist from the 50s, toured in Australia twice, I think, and held huge public rallies where literally thousands of people became Christian. Like just said, well, yep, this makes sense. I'm down with this. He is considered to be a father of the modern faith. He speaks, or sorry, used to speak very openly about it in, in that, um, I can't even remember if he's alive or not, but certainly... Um, he's very, very, very elderly if he is. I think he has passed away. Um, he did amazing things and wrote in, and, and was reasonably straight, reasonably hardline around faith, but called a spade a spade. And from a Christian point of view, um, managed to come away from the, his whole ministry without blemish. You know, he's not a Jimmy Swaggart. You know, he's not a, I'm milking you for money. He's not a, hey, here's my, you know, seven prostitutes that I see every other week. I mean, he did have some rules that some people consider weird, and I kind of stick with the weirdness on this, where um, he would never be um, in a room with another woman. So he's like Mike Pence, then? 
Oh, I'm not, he, he, well, but he's also, uh, it would be like a father to Mike Pence. Like, he's that old of that yeah, ilk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So back when it was kind of acceptable for dad to call his wife mother in front of the children. Yep, yep. For example. Mike Pence doing it is weird. It's 2017. <laughs> anyway, Billy Graham's son, Franklin Graham, raised traveling the world, you know, in these tent crusades, um, became an evangelist in the same way. And I think he's now pastor of a massive church who runs Franklin Grand Crusades and all that sort of thing. He has come out as a huge supporter of Donald Trump. And I have to ask, what would his father really think of this? Because his father spoke about grace and compassion and forgiveness and love, and Trump speaks of none of those things. It's a weird world, isn't it, Stephen? What is happening? Um, I think there's not. I think there's not enough love, Stephen. To be honest with you, I think. I, and and this isn't just a, a, a people who don't agree with me a horrible thing. I think mm-hmm. it, I think this is just a a genuine a, a genuine uh, division thing, and I don't think it's about religion. I don't think it's about sides of politics. I think it is just. Um, there is this harshness and there is an unwillingness to forgive that is becoming toxic. And yep. we uh, we don't... Uh, we're trying to obliterate people who disagree with us, uh, you know, yep. our opponents. Like, the, the, there's no... Uh, there's a, just an, a horrible lack of compassion... Yeah, and, 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 and almost offensive. It's toxic, uh, and I, I think we've run out of time to solve it this week. But we should <laughs> we should add that to the list. Yeah, yeah, we should. I, I agree entirely. I think the fact that the level of discourse within at least this country has got to a point where we can't disagree on something yet still remain civil towards each other is outrageous. Yeah. <sighs> well, well, look, we'll fix it next week. Sure. Hey, look, that's the kind of guys we are, Dave. All right, add it to the list. God, this list is getting longer. Well, good. Our chats are getting longer. and It won't be long before they are two hours like <laughs> for a simple one. That's all right. We'll need to offer an intermission for ourselves. <laughs> what, you, mean, you mean you don't have like a, an empty Gatorade bottle under your desk? <laughs> <laughs> I do, but it's really hard to fit around my anus. <laughs> Oh, oh dear! That's Thank you very I, much. That's not where I thought you were going. No, uh, no, but it, well, after you, you're a Game of Thrones fan. I, I'm about. I'm up to date with the books, but I think I'm about two or three seasons behind with the TV show. Oh, um, it, it gives nothing away. In the first episode of season seven that aired this week, there, there was a sort of um, montage of um, Sam's life. Because he's gone oh, yep. off to become yep, yep. a maester, yep, um, and in, in the citadel, and it's just it, it's brilliantly cut. It's because it's it, increasing in its speed and frequency and all of that. But it's basically him putting away books, collecting bedpans, emptying bedpans and nearly vomiting, cleaning bedpans, pouring muck into bowls that they all eat that looks like what's coming out of the bedpans. Re- rinse, <laughs> repeat. Yep, and and it's just this amazing kind of round of the da 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 da. da and uh, I just looked at it and went, yeah, man, um, who, like, how, how was your life if you were the guy that had to collect the bedpans? Mm, oh, get out of bed and go to the toilet, you lazy old bastard. Was he, no, I will, 
I'm thinking I'll, I'll binge back into Game of Thrones before too long, but at the moment we're, we're still watching um, Handmaid's Tale. We're just... <gasps> How deep are you? Uh, episode six. We've oh, just, Dave! We've, we've, we've just had the trade delegation. Great for Mexico. Yeah. Yep. So I think the six... So you've watched five or you're up to six? Or watch six. No, no, no. We, we, I'm pretty sure that was episode six with the trade delegation. So, I think so you've like, even had you've had the episode where she found the message in Latin. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was much earlier. How great is that? Bitches? That's very cool. That's um, very cool. I challenge you to find two hours with your lovely wife and sit down and watch both of them back to back. Oh, the next two. Like, yeah, finish out the season. Oh well, no, there's four left. Four left. Oh, is there ten? I keep yeah. thinking there's eight. No, no. There's... Crap. Well, no. Do nine and ten together, but yep. space seven and eight. Okay, we'll do. All right. Well, I think I think that will pretty much fit into uh, where we're going. There's actually good movies at the moment, Steve. I'm actually, I'm actually at the cinema. I'm actually going to go to the cinema. I want tickets to go and see Baby Driver. I want to take Michelle to it next week. No, I want to see Baby Driver. I, yep. want, to, I want to see Atomic Blonde that's coming up. Oh, I've heard bad things, but I want to, I'm looking oh. forward to what you hear, hear you say. Um, and and Dunkirk. <sighs> Dunkirk will be a home movie for us because oh, I don't it's... think Michelle could handle crying that much. No, too big, um, like big, big, big for. Um, oh, like, it's epic, Nolan. From what I understand, yeah, uh, and big sick. But I think we'll wait for that one to come home. I've got. Um, uh, Baby Driver, which I said won ticket, so that's a definite. Yep. Spider Man has very quickly become. We'll see it when it comes out on our fetch box. Oh no, it, it's. I think Rach is taking Callie to see that on Sunday because Callie's a huge Spider Man fan. Yep. Well, look, uh, Luke is head and feet into the Marvel universe, so and Lily is as well, becoming so. But I think we'll just save it for we'll all sit down and watch that together. Yeah, Kelly, not so much the broader Marvel universe, but yeah. Spider Man, Spider Man, oh. and this new Spider Man is so smart. Like the casting, the performance looks amazing. But the big one for mine, or oh, there's two, um, Valerian, the uh, by Luke Besson, who gave us uh, um, the Fifth, uh, fifth Element. element. Yep. Yeah, yeah. This is apparently his not not a sequel, but a sequel. Right. Like, it's that level of just whole other universe Ooh. weirdness. Um, so that's on the list. And the, the final of this Planet of the Apes trilogy. Oh, yes. Which yes. looks stunning. It does. And uh, Well, add it to the list. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's... Yeah, the list is getting long. <laughs> you know what? We better actually write the list down at some point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I've got to go. So do I, Dave. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Steve. I love you. I love you too. Bye.